Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks for joining us for Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Drought isn't the only problem Texas farmers faced this year. They also faced hail, high winds, and even tornadoes. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. There are a lot of things that can be grown in the Texas Panhandle, but you need to make sure that what you plant is truly going to work from a business standpoint. I'm James Hunt, and I'll bring you one veteran farmer's perspective on Texas Ag Today. It's been a long ride for wheat producers, at least on part of the rolling plains this season, as they've dodged several bullets to make it to a successful harvest. Hello, I'm Barry Mahler, and I have the story from North Central Texas. We'll have those stories, plus news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Mother Nature has played havoc with Texas farmers and ranchers here in 2021. Jessica Domel takes a look. From a winter storm in February to drought, hail, high winds, and even tornadoes over the past couple of weeks, it has been a difficult year for some Texas farmers and ranchers. Mark Prince, who grows corn, wheat, and hay in Williamson County and has cattle, says some of his corn was hit by hail earlier this month. We had a hailstorm somewhere around the beginning of May, like May 4th or 5th, and I had to replant a little over 100 acres of corn that it actually knocked out. So it was pretty bad. In the grand scheme of things, the weather's been good. We've gotten a little less rainfall this go round than what the weatherman have been talking about. But as a whole, you know, it's good. The crops are in good growing condition and the weather, the temperature has been really good. So other than the hailstorm, we've been pretty lucky. A field of wheat next to his corn was also destroyed by that hailstorm. The area did not receive any hail this week, and the rain has been largely beneficial. Right here, my pond is about half full, and it has not caught rainwater in it very little, you know, this year, or really going on two years. But we have other ponds on other places that are running over. You can go just a mile down the road from here, and I have cows on another place, and the ponds are full and running over. It varies that much. But as far as our pastures, you know, half inch we're happy with. The rain's very good for the pastures, the hay, the crops. We're happy. Other areas were not as lucky. Tornadoes were reported near LaGrange and Sudan this week. Hail about three inches in diameter fell near Snyder, and the Victoria area received more than 10 inches of rainfall. We'll have stories from farmers and ranchers in those hard-hit areas in the coming days. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. 
We go to the state capitol in Austin to visit with Charlie Leal. He's state legislative director for the Texas Farm Bureau. Charlie, this past year has shown us that expansion of broadband into rural Texas is a big priority. I know there's a bill dealing with that. Tell me where that bill is in the process. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you're correct, Kerry. Uh, you know, HB5 by Representative Trent Ashby and sponsored by Senator Robert Nichols uh, would establish a state plan for the expansion of broadband in rural Texas. Um, it, it has now passed both the House and the Senate. Uh, it's now going to a conference committee. Uh, there's a there's a difference between the bills, uh, and it's centered on the makeup of the broadband council and 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 who would get to appoint those members and exactly what they would be doing. Uh, so there, that will go to conference between the House and Senate, and they'll have to iron out that difference. Does it look like this bill has a good chance of making it to the governor's office? It, it should be. Uh, th- this bill has had widespread support uh, both sides of the aisle and in the House and Senate. The governor, lieutenant governor, and even the speaker have made it a priority. So we don't anticipate that there will be any issues. Uh, this is just getting down into the details of of what this council will look like, uh, but we're fairly fairly sure that that it will get passed uh, without issue and onto the governor's desk. Charlie, I know you've also been working on a bill to improve farm liability protections here in Texas. Tell me about that bill. Yes, uh, HB three sixty five, and that's by Representative Andrew Murr, sponsored by Senator Drew Springer. Uh, that would uh, this is the bill that would extend liability protections for farmers and ranchers. Uh, for injuries uh, caused by livestock. Uh, Currently, state law recognizes that uh, liability protection uh, for agritourism events, rodeos, livestock shows, et cetera. Um, And this would extend it to to farms and ranches uh, for employees uh, and and people who visit those those places. Um, And that bill has passed both the House and Senate, and that is on the way to the governor's desk. Well, I know it's crunch time there in the legislature, Charlie. How much time is left? There's not much time left. Uh, you know, we are uh, in the in the final week here, uh, week and some days. Uh, the session comes to a close. Uh, you know, major deadlines for legislation to, to finally pass uh, are coming up in the House on May 25th and in the Senate. That would be May 26th. Texas Farm Bureau State Legislative Director Charlie Liao from the state capitol in Austin. Thanks for the update, Charlie. Thank you, sir. You can grow a lot of things here in Texas, but if you're going to survive, you need to grow what works for the market. James Hunt explains from the Panhandle. As he told us in our previous report, Billy Bob Brown is beginning his 49th growing season out at his farm near the town of Panhandle. And for the season ahead, he's going with his standard crops, corn, cotton, and seed sorghum. It's a crop mix that represents doing what has proven to work for his operation. You have to consider your market, what's available for you to sell to. Uh, There's no sense raising a crop that you've got to truck your crop a thousand miles to sell and your profit is eat up in transportation. And then your climate and your soil type, you have to contend with that because for years we were too far north to raise cotton. And with the new varieties of cotton that require less heat units, we're able to grow it. And that gives us another alternative to work with, which is great. And just like Brown adding cotton when the opportunity to do so came along, farmers in our area generally do find growing a diversity of crops to be a good way to go. But although there are a wide variety of things that can be grown here, Brown urges caution about falling prey to deals that might be too good to be true. When somebody jumps up and says, 
we will take canola or we will take sesame or so forth. You better check their financial strength to make sure at the end of that crop year that that check goes through the bank like it's supposed to. While corn, cotton, and sorghum are brown standards for summer crops, he also grows winter wheat. And switching gears here, we have an unhappy note regarding wheat. It turns out the abundance of rain much of the area has gotten recently has created concerns that area wheat could be getting hit by disease. In particular, the Texas High Plains Plant Disease Diagnostic Lab in Amarillo is calling attention to basal gloom rot and black chaff. More about this in our next report. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It's been a roller coaster year for Texas wheat farmers to finally get here to harvest time. Barry Mahler takes a look at the wheat growing season on the Rolling Plains. When farmers were planting the wheat crop across the Rolling Plains last fall that will be harvested in a few weeks, they did not know what to expect. Long-range weather forecasts were predicting a La Nina formation that has the tendency to bring dry weather to our part of the world. We were struggling through the pandemic, and there didn't seem to be any real direction on where the market was going. And although the wheat market then was offering some opportunities for hedging at some levels in the upper $5 range and even easing into $6 territory, you just didn't know for sure if you wanted to hedge a crop that you hadn't raised yet. So farmers did what farmers do. They planted the crop with high expectations. Well, the weather pattern stayed mostly friendly for those of us on the eastern part of the plains, although it got pretty dry out west. Some pretty good winter wheat pasture was raised, and even though the cattle market wasn't what we would hope, a lot of the stockers turned out on wheat did very well gain-wise, when some of those still remain to be shipped now. But all in all, not a bad season. Even though things were rocking along pretty well, we saw a slight touch of hot, dry weather along in early spring, and just when things looked like they were going downhill, some timely rain set in and healed things up. Then there was the unprecedented cold spell in February like we've not seen in years, but, well, the wheat survived pretty well with just a little snow cover to protect it. And then even with an early Easter on the calendar, we had a later freeze scare that could have done severe damage to the crop, but we dodged it for the most part by just a few degrees. Since then, cool weather has helped fill the heads, and now we're about ready for some sun and warmer weather to dry the crop down for harvest. And in driving around at least three or four of the counties in my area over the last few weeks, it's looking pretty good, and I think there's going to be a pretty good crop out there. Now, traditionally, the market would fade into harvest with new product coming to the supply chain, but there are a couple of things helping that right now. Corn is trading higher with good sales and good outlook, and that's supporting wheat as a substitute ingredient, and it's supporting beans in a competition crop for acres due to the higher market. So this could be a good year for wheat producers with the very unusual situation of a good crop and a strong market all at the same time. That experience does not come along very often, and you can bet farmers will be watching for hail-producing thunderstorms and other potential problems for the next few weeks until the combines roll. This is Barry Mahler reporting from North Central Texas for Texas Ag Today. There are several resources available to help Texas landowners improve wildlife habitats. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And asthma is a common cause of respiratory disease in horses. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. 
But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Asthma is a common cause of respiratory disease in horses, and the main cause is related to the hay they eat. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd tells more about it. Equine asthma can be very mild or very severe. A mild form was called inflammatory airway disease, and a more serious form was called heaves, but now both are referred to as equine asthma. Dr. Laura Cotell from Purdue University indicated at the AAEP convention that she has performed studies showing dry hay is related to the disease. These horses with mild inflammatory airway disease may or may not have a cough, but generally have excessive mucus in their trachea when examined with an endoscope, especially after exercise. The test for asthma is a bronchoalveolar lavage that includes passing a tube through the horse's nose into the trachea and lungs, and fluid is injected down into the lungs and retrieved for exam. If a horse is diagnosed with asthma, environmental management is the most important aspect of treatment. Exposure to dust from forage is likely the most common cause of mild airway inflammation, as hay generates particles that are so small that they are undetectable in the air, but are highly inflammatory in the horse's lungs. A study was performed to determine if steamed hay or haylage would be less likely to cause asthma symptoms in racehorses, and three groups of 18 horses were fed dry hay, steamed hay, and haylage. Results indicated that steamed hay and haylage lowered horses' exposure to these small particles compared to dry hay and mucus in the trachea increased in horses fed dry hay compared to those fed steamed hay and haylage. Feeding dry hay can certainly lead to airway disease in the horse, and feeding round bales exposes the horse to more dust than any other type of hay feeding system. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There are several resources available to help Texas landowners improve wildlife habitat. Jessica Domal has more in today's Wildlife Report. There is help out there for Texas landowners who are interested in improving habitat for wildlife on their property. Russell Castro, state wildlife biologist for the Natural Resources Conservation Service, joins us with more. We've got a multitude of practices. If you're in the Blacklands, for instance, and you'd like to restore your grass and or your cropland or various land uses or just do some action management of your property. We can do brush management. We can do revegetation practices. And we can address not only the interest in livestock grazing, which we can assist you in deciding what the carrying capacity and the stocking rate might be for that. We can also help you with your wildlife interest, whether we're talking about deer, quail, pollinators, you know, bumblebees, butterflies, monarchs. And we have various programs like that. We have six working lands for wildlife projects. One is a grassland restoration project. The other is a, a quail, northern bobwhite quail, working lands for wildlife. We've got a monarch working lands for wildlife. We just have great opportunities for those landowners, for us to work with the landowners individually on their property, meeting their resource concerns, 
and their desires to do conservation work and manage their lands. And it's an exciting time for landowners today with all the opportunities that we have. And then we also work with our partners, Texas Parks and Wildlife, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, as needed in their various programs. Details about those programs are available on the NRCS Texas website. You can also contact your local NRCS Service Center. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. The cattle market wrapped up the week on a positive note. We were strongly higher on Friday. The cotton market took an upward move as well. We'll take a closer look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. As planting season begins across the country, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to follow the basic steps for seed treatment stewardship. Follow directions on seed container labeling. Eliminate weeds in the field prior to planting. Minimize dust by using advanced seed flow lubricants. Be aware of honeybees and hives located near the field. Ensure that any spilled seeds are removed or covered by soil to protect wildlife and the environment. And remove all treated seed left in equipment. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market wrapped up the week on a positive note Friday. We ended up closing higher in both live and feeder cattle futures to end the week. June live cattle up a dollar seven, one seventeen sixty-seven. August up a dollar five, one twenty ninety-two. October live cattle up seventy cents. 125.05. Feeder cattle closed higher also. The nearby May up a dollar 47, 137.22. August feeders up 262, 153.70. September feeder cattle up 235, 154.90. Cash fed cattle trade fairly slow for the week. We had light sales reported. Most of the cattle that did sell ranged from 118 to 120 on a live basis. Most of those cattle in the 119 range. Boxed beef prices were higher on Friday. Choice up a dollar seventy-four, three twenty-five ninety-two. Select up a dollar fifty-five at three oh three sixteen. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear sheep and goats, it's time to head out to Angelo, San Angelo and check out the two-day sheep and goat sale they had this week. We'll go to Benny Cox right now. Benny, what did you think about it? Actually, it was better than I expected. We ended up selling 8000 and we've got about 4200 to start with this morning, so we're going to sell over 12000 this week. Compared to the, with the week before, where we didn't have any wool lamps to talk about last week, we've got a handful today. Those sold okay. I know that some of those were bought to go to feedlot, actually. Compared to last week, if you'll remember, we had a pretty good drop in these lambs. Well, it, it happened again this week. Uh, they dropped kind of 20 some of them as much as $40 lower. Now, that's on your lighter weights, and especially those that weren't carrying a lot of flesh. Now, when you get up to those 80, 90 pound plus lambs that are real good flesh, some of those sold near steady with what we saw la- last week. Uh, we had some of those those big old lambs went up there in a 100 pound range to bring 240, but there's not nearly as many of those due to the fact that we've been in dry weather, you know, dry weather situation here for a good long while. The slaughter ewes, they sold on the firm side. Kid goats, this is the first big drop we've seen in them. You know, been bragging about that deal and telling everybody don't wait for the goat market to get 
get better. It was twenty to forty dollars lower yesterday. Slot nannies, uh, they were a tick better than last week. They fell off last week. They sell in a range from about one forty to one eighty this week, mostly one seventy to one eighty on those things. Uh, the big mature billies still fine on those, two dollars to two forty two. Benny, tell everybody how to contact you. They can call me on my mobile. It's 325-234-4277. Office, same area code, 653-3371. Or they can always look at the web, which is producersandcargyle.com. Neighbor, that's it for this edition of Walking the Pins. You've been listening to the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm your host, Larry Marble. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures board now where lean hogs closed the week higher. June was up $1.97 on Friday, 114.22. July hogs up $3, 116.55. Class 3 milk was lower. May down a penny, 1897 a hundredweight. June milk down 21 cents, 1813 a hundred. The cotton market closing sharply higher on Friday. All traders' eyes have been on the West Texas weather situation throughout the week. And we have reports all over the place. We've seen rainfall totals anywhere from five inches all the way down to nothing or maybe just a half an inch. So it all depends on where that rain fell and how much fell. Traders seem to think that maybe we didn't get quite as much rain in some areas that we needed it during the week. So that helped to boost prices sharply higher on Friday. We close with July cotton up 129 points, 82.82. October up 140 points, 83.64. December up 123, ending the week at 83.22 cents. The wheat market drifted slightly lower Friday. July Kansas City wheat down a penny, 624 a bushel. July Chicago wheat off a penny at 674 and a quarter. The corn market about a nickel lower with lack of fresh news to move the market one way or another. July corn down five cents, 659 and a half. September corn down five and three quarters, 573 and a quarter. In the energy markets, June natural gas down a penny, 290. June crude oil up $1.83 at 63.77 a barrel. The financial markets mixed on Friday, the Dow up 182 points, 34,266. The Nasdaq down 26 at 13,509. The S&P 500 up 6, 4,165. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget, we'll be right back here next time to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. See you right here next time on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.